The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast 2021 Player Reviews. I'm Josh Nelson. In the upcoming months, we'll be selecting a player or position group to recap their 2021 season discussing if said player or players met or exceeded expectations and what does their near future outlook appear to be with the 2022 Chicago White Sox. The 2020 postseason loss to the Oakland Athletics made it well apparent that the Chicago White Sox needed help with starting pitching. After clinching a postseason berth with a 34-18 record, the 2020 White Sox stumbled in their remaining eight games, losing seven of them. And the lack of starting pitching was to blame for the White Sox not winning the American League Central as they finished the game behind the Minnesota Twins. There was an opportunity to avoid that result. Prior to the August 31st trade deadline, there was heavy trade smoke surrounding Texas starting pitcher Lance Lynn. After a mixed 2018 season, splitting time between the Minnesota Twins and the New York Yankees, Lynn had a great 2019 campaign with the Texas Rangers, going 16-11 and with a 3.67 ERA and 33 starts, covering 208 innings. And he finished with a 7.5 war, according to baseball reference. That was good enough to finish 5th in the Cy Young voting. Lynn followed that up during the shortened 2020 season, leading the league in innings pitched with 84 and 13 starts. He had a 6-3 record and a lower ERA when he finished 5th in the Cy Young voting at 3.32. It's a great what-if hypothetical scenario. If the White Sox had acquired Lynn during 2020, would they have won the American League Central and gone deeper into the postseason? Even though then-manager Rick Renteria asked for help on the pitching front, general manager Rick Hahn decided against such a move and instead gave Dane Dunning an opportunity. Dunning impressed, but Renteria didn't count on him for Game 3 of the wildcard round to last long. We wouldn't know for a couple weeks that both Renteria and Dunning 
We're not going to be on the White Sox much longer. On December 8th, sometime around midnight, if my memory serves me correctly, Rick Hahn pulled the trigger in trading Dunning and left-handed reliever Avery Weems to Texas for Lance Lynn. At the time, there was much division within White Sox fandom about the move. While Lynn is a good starting pitcher, he only had one year left on his contract, and the White Sox just gave up six years of control with Dane Dunning in such a move. This was an all-in type of trade for the White Sox, and the previous such deal was acquiring James Shields for Eric Johnson and Fernando Tatis Jr. You know how that trade went. You could even go back to the Jeff Samarja trade with the Oakland Athletics. Lynn's first start with the White Sox was on April 3rd at Anaheim as he went four and two-thirds innings, throwing 99 pitches, allowing six hits, two runs, none of them were earned, and he walked two while striking out six. The White Sox lost the game 5-3, to three, but it was a decent introduction. Pitching in front of a COVID-limited capacity crowd at Guarantee Rate Field in his next start, Lynn was special against the Kansas City Royals. A complete game shutout, allowing just five hits, walking none, and striking out 11. It was that start that quieted the concerns of losing Dunning for one season of Lynn. A couple weeks later, Lynn spent a little time on the injured list for a back injury, but he was back with the White Sox quickly on May 1st. In the month of May, Lynn made six starts going 5-0 with a 1.36 ERA covering 33 innings. The White Sox had found their co-ace. On June 3rd, Lynn had a personal six-game winning streak. The White Sox were 7-3 in starts by Lynn, and his season ERA was a microscopic 1.23. Then Lynn hit a slide. The White Sox lost four straight Lynn starts, and his ERA ballooned up to 2.06, which was still incredible. July was a bounce-back month for Lynn, which the White Sox won four out of his five starts. As Lynn finished with the month ERA of 2.10, Lynn joined his teammates Carlos Rodon and Liam Hendricks at the 2021 All-Star Game, where Lynn pitched a scoreless second inning, walking one and striking out JT Real Muto. Shortly after the All-Star break, the Chicago White Sox got a jump on their 2022 plans by signing Lance Lynn to a two-year, $38 million extension that includes a club option for the 2024 season. Lynn told reporters he felt at home with the White Sox. With the way Lynn was pitching, White Sox fans were more than welcoming and showered Lynn with their appreciation when the deal was announced at a home game. On August 12th, Lance Lynn started the Field of Dreams game against the New York Yankees. It was a hot day, and the ball jumped out of the makeshift stadium placed in the midst of a cornfield. Lynn gave up two homers, but his final line was decent as he went five innings against the Yankees, allowing four hits, four earned runs, walking two, but he struck out seven. That start was in the middle of a 10-start stretch in which Lynn hadn't allowed more than four earned runs in a start, and Lynn only allowed 14 earned runs over those 10 starts. Then Lynn hit a bump against the Chicago Cubs at home. Despite striking out seven, Lynn allowed three home runs to the Cubs, who hurt him for seven earned runs and a 7-0 loss. After that start, Lynn went back on the injured list with right knee inflammation. He would return on September 12th against the Boston Red Sox and was his usual self. 
In five shutout innings, throwing 70 pitches, Lynn struck out nine batters, didn't walk any, and allowed just two hits. Lynn finished the regular season going 11-6 in 28 starts, with a 2.69 ERA, striking out 176 batters in 157 innings. Lynn had a 5.4 war, according to Baseball Reference, and a 4.2 war season, according to Fangraphs. Lynn led the American League in ERA for pitchers who threw more than 150 innings, as Lynn did not qualify for the ERA title, and he finished fourth, according to Fangraphs, in war. Good chance Lynn will have another top six Scion finish for his third straight season. Now it was postseason time, and Lynn had to face his arch nemesis, the Houston Astros. For whatever reason, the Astros gave Lynn a terrible time while he was with the Texas Rangers and beat up Lynn at Houston in a White Sox uniform earlier in the season. There was hope that a third time would be the charm for Lynn. It wasn't. The Astros punished Lynn in four innings, scoring five earned runs off six hits, while Lynn walked two and struck out only four. Lynn wouldn't get another start in the series for redemption and avoiding a disappointing finish. Nonetheless, Lynn provided what the White Sox needed in 2021 and being a huge boost in winning their first divisional title since 2008. Next step for the White Sox is a deeper postseason run. After two IL stints and now entering his age 35 season, can Lynn still be the horse the White Sox need to pair with Lucas Giolito to lead this rotation? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Joining me to continue reviewing Lance Lynn's 2021 season is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com, it's Jim Marulis. And hello, Jim. I think a great place to start with Lance Lynn reviewing his season is going back to the night of the trade. There was skepticism from some that the White Sox gave up a lot to acquire Lynn. 
safe to say after the 2021 season, it was probably worth it for the White Sox to acquire Lynn. Yeah, especially once you factor in the fact that they were able to get an extension done midseason. You know, we talked about there could be a, a couple ways of going about it. It could be like a Jeff Samarja type deal where he's not interested in signing a midseason extension no matter what. So it's just one year. You hope that he makes the most of it. You know, maybe there's a qualifying offer or something at the end of it. But really, you know, it, it's placing a lot of importance on that one year and the White Sox team, not just Lynn, you know, doing what he can do, but the White Sox team also coalescing in one big year, but signing him to an extension midway through and one that did not break the bank. You know, I think it was pretty reasonable on both sides. Like Lynn did. Okay. Uh, better than he ever has in free agency, but you know, the White Sox did well themselves to not have to, you know, go beyond two guaranteed years. It seemed like they met somewhere in the middle and so now when you're talking about the White Sox trading Dane Dunning and Avery Weems for Lance Lynn, you know, it's not just one year of Lance Lynn anymore. It's three years. And let me look at the numbers here. I think it's, yeah, three years and 46 million. So that's really like the way you look at the deal is, you know, if the White Sox traded Dane Dunning and Avery Weems for Lance Lynn coming off two Cy Young finishes for the remaining three years and $46 million on his contract, you'd say it's pretty great, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I thought it was a fair offer. Great move by the White Sox when they announced the trade. I, I still do after the season. Do you like the contract extension for Lynn after the postseason, Jim? Yeah. I mean, you, it's a kind of a case where you have to judge it the way uh, we judge it at the time, you know, not knowing that, uh, you know, the knee problems would flare up a little bit and Houston loomed in the postseason and he couldn't quite figure out how to solve that offense. So it's a... Uh, yeah, the way the season finished with circumstances in Lynn's control and outside of Lynn's control, you know, maybe made it a little less exciting than it was the day he signed and the 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 reaction the crowd gave him uh, when they uh, played when they announced the extension uh, and and you know Sox Park was went nuts for it. Um, you know, maybe it's not that kind of reaction right now in this moment, like right after the uh, 2021 postseason. But overall, yeah, it's still a good decision. It's a lot, you know, just imagine what this rotation would look like if Lynn were hitting free agency and Carlos Rodon were hitting free agency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of don't want to think about that. And that's what makes the contract extension great with Lance Lynn. And the White Sox have this, pocket where they are comfortable going after a certain type of player they're not afraid to sign someone to an 18 plus million dollar deal look at Yasmani Grandal and Dallas Keuchel from free agency they're committing that to Jose Abreu in this upcoming season and Lance Lynn will be getting that amount uh, coming into 2022 they're not afraid of paying a single season of that amount. They're they're comfortable doing this with veteran guys, though. Uh, they're they're not comfortable, or at least they haven't proven that they're comfortable to getting the Bryce Harpers mm -hmm. and the Manny Machados, right? Where you got to sign 10, 12 years. You got to make that type of commitment. The ballpark for the White Sox are these three to four year deals. Lance Lynn, at his age, with this being his age 34 season, Right there, as far as a three-year deal, two guaranteed years, right into the White Sox comfort area. So it just made sense 
on all sides that they got this deal done. And even after the season, I, I still think it's great because you're going into next year again with Lynn and Gilito leading this rotation and Dylan Cease, who had an outstanding season and he'll get his own podcast review uh, later uh, this offseason. Uh, you you got to feel really confident as a White Sox fan, especially with your new front three going into the season and add in Michael Kopech and whatever else the White Sox do this upcoming offseason uh, to help bolster the starting rotation. Where do you think Lynn finishes in this year's American League Cy Young voting? That's a good question, just because, you know, uh, he had some limitations with innings, but really like the entire league had limitations with innings. You know, basically all of baseball had entire uh, limitations with innings. So it seems like he could be, I'm thinking like maybe top six. That's how I feel. Like I mentioned the intro that Lynn has a very good chance of having his third straight top six Scion finish, which is great. And he will probably join the pile of best starting pitchers who have not won a Scion in Major League Baseball uh, with his uh, top 10 finishes or top six finishes. Uh, yeah, because we're recording this before Major League Baseball announces who were the top three in the Scion for the American League and who will win the American League Scion. Lynn didn't qualify for the ERA title. Uh, and as I mentioned in the intro, though, if you lower that minimum to 150 innings uh, for the regular season, Lynn actually led the American League in ERA. I guess that's a good question, and something that some folks nationally have been pointing out is, is the innings limit for the ERA title too high with the way that baseball, especially in 2021, progressed where so many pitchers had difficulties making their start. Do you think that innings limit is too high, Jim? Not right now, but I think for one year it may seem like an aberration, but I think we'll probably need a couple more years to see if this is a lasting trait. Like I think if it gets to the point where, you know, 10 pitchers qualify for the ERA title, more often than not, like over the course of five years, then you probably have to revise it and maybe like make it more of a percentile thing. Like the top, you know, I don't know what you'd call it, like top you know, 30%, top 40% of pitchers, mm. innings totals qualifies for the ERA, something like that. Got it. So if you have this, if we ever come across a situation that you have a shortened season, that's not 162 games again. I, I like that percentage base just in case if seasons get delayed or postponed or canceled, you can still figure out who qualifies for the ERA title. But it, it was a fantastic season for Lance Lynn. And again, he led the American League in ERA if you lower that innings limit down to 150. Uh, I mentioned the what-if hypothetical of what if the White Sox had acquired Lynn during the 2020 season. And I'm bringing this conversation back because you and I, went back and forth about this particular topic quite often when we were covering the 2020 season. It was very difficult for any team, especially in COVID in the pandemic, to add outside players to the roster, not knowing if, how those teams are following protocol and procedures. Were you bringing somebody in from the outside that could have widespread impact as far as spreading COVID and then games were either being delayed or postponed or canceled. Uh, but 
looking back at it now, how do you think that season would have finished differently if Rakan decided, you know what, we are going to trade for Lance Lynn uh, before the August trade deadline in 2020? Well, I think, you know, maybe if you take it all the way to the top, like just, you know, the top line and, and, and thinking about like, Who's in charge of the White Sox now? Like, would Rick Renteria keep his job? Wow. Like, yeah. if, if uh, you know, there wasn't Dane Dunning making the start in game three and Renteria bailing and, and turning into the disastrous bullpen game that happened, like, it, you know, Rick, the way Rick Hahn phrased it or the, the way he framed it was that one game didn't make that decision. But I think, you know, if they had Lance Lynn in that rotation and they had, um, you know, basically a very easy decision in, in terms of like who's starting three games of a postseason. It's going to be Lucas Giolito. It's going to be Dallas Keuchel. It's going to be Lance Lynn in some order. So there, that really takes away that thinking. It becomes a lot more player focused. Um, you know, like when, when Dallas Keuchel had the rough starts, that was Dallas Keuchel's fault. That wasn't Rick Renteria's fault. That was a poor, poorly timed start. Maybe it's a case of, you know, Keuchel was on the DL uh, or injured list uh, later in the year. Um, so, you know, maybe he thought like, well, he wasn't in top form and Oakland made him pay, but you know, Gilito pitched well, that was player focused. Keuchel didn't pitch well, that was player focused. And if Lynn, you know, if he had a good start, if he had a bad start, that would have been Lynn's, you know, that would not have been a case where, you know, I'm guessing unless it were just kind of extreme example where, uh, you know, Renteria would not have been blamed for whatever happened if, you know, they still lost in three games. So it would have been at the very least, like a lot more surprising if, um, if it just unfurled that Rick Hahn fired Rick Rentry in the same way, whereas when the decision was made, we could point to that game and say, well, that was, that didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence. So I think that was, that's kind of where my head goes first is uh, when it came to the roster they wanted, like Rick Renteria wanted to add a pitcher. He didn't like his rotation and the, and the front office saddled him with the just two pitchers and then finger crossing. So that's where I go right now in terms of, you know, what it would take. Uh, just when it comes to prospect costs, I think it's what I still wrestle with. Just with no real season in the minor leagues and a uh, limited amount to learn from the alternate training sites, like, I just wonder, given that the Rangers held on to him, just how prohibitive that prospect cost was or how just unwilling, you know, the Rangers were to go for anything less than like what they felt was an egregious sum. Yeah, we had this conversation then and even more than a year later, I still wouldn't feel comfortable trading Michael Kopech for Lance Lynn when you only knew at the time that he would help you in 2020 and he would be under contract for 2021. But that would be just too high of a price for me to make that type of deal. If the if the rumors were true that the Rangers were asking for Michael Kopech <laughs> at the time exchanging for Lance Lynn. And then they say they saw Dane Dunning and Dunning pitched well. And then in the offseason, the cost lowered and the White Sox were able to acquire Lance Lynn. Maybe the White Sox make a similar trade this offseason to acquire another starting pitcher on their last year of their deal uh, to add to the starting rotation. We'll have to see. Uh, and hopefully a CBA is agreed upon so there's some type of activity in December. Because again, that trade happened on December 8th. The CBA is set to expire 
late December 1st, around 11 p.m. Central Time in Chicago. And if there's no CBA, there's no activity. So fingers crossed there's a new CBA coming down the the road for both Major League Baseball and the Players Association so we can see some more trades this offseason. All right, so let's look ahead to 2022. For Lance Lynn, I think there are two concerns. One, let's discuss the two injured list stints for Lynn. While he was terrific in 2021, Lynn made 28 starts, but he only covered 157 innings. Is that enough of a workload for you to be satisfied, Jim, in 2022 for Lance Lynn? And how concerned are you about Lynn's right knee? Are you asking like if he threw 157 innings in 2022, would that be sufficient? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, to talk about that, like that sliding scale in terms of where he finishes overall in terms of innings, I think that's really going to dictate it just because we're seeing right now in the postseason, we're recording this on uh, just for people who are listening and trying to figure out when we're talking in case the World Series uh, changes uh, the way the sentence is taken. <laughs> We're recording this on uh, Tuesday right before, right as uh, game uh, six is starting. But just when you look at what's happened with the World Series, Lance McCullers uh, falling out of action and with Charlie Morton falling out and with uh, you know Max Fried getting uh, roughed up and having to take extra rest. Like everybody, you know, the, the way pitching went this year was really a, a war of attrition. And you like think to the Dodgers too, and like losing Clayton Kershaw, like so many pitchers fell off in late in the year or just were not able to get to the finish line. It's made, you know, I, I think it's turned a lot of hand-wringing uh, into the postseason in terms of like so many pitching changes, so many faceless relievers. Is this what fans want? I think like just given the irregular workloads of the past two years, like I'm still thinking that there are some... You know, long-term ramifications or at least like lasting ramifications of the shortened year in 2020, they're still working themselves out and hopefully there'll be a return to normalcy. But if there isn't, or at least, you know, that's still more than a year away, I still think we're working our way through what's really to be expected from frontline starters right now in the post-pandemic era or the late pandemic era. If you think we're still in it, which we kind of are, but uh, so I think when it comes to Lynn, like I think it's more of a matter of like, does he finish like in the top 10? Does he finish in the top 20? Uh, does he have like a, you know, number one or number two workload based on what the rest of the league is doing? That's I think how I'm going to look at it for at least one more year based on just how guys are finishing this season. See, that's interesting that you bring up that point because looking at it from a GM perspective, I am paying a lot of money for starting pitching and getting less than I was a couple of years ago. If the new norm is that the guy who leads the league at innings pitch is around 175 when just what, four or five years ago, we were seeing pitchers pitch more than 220 innings in a season. Mm Mm-hmm. That that's interesting. And I wonder how future negotiations are going to work out. Because we've had this conversation a number of times. There, you know, the veteran pitchers like Corey Kluber, Cole Hamels, you know, they're making tens of millions of dollars at a season. And they're not even like getting close to a hundred innings pitched, or in Hamels' case, he doesn't even pitch at all and still makes cash. Uh, I, I'm really wondering how the sliding scale is going to work out for, for starting pitchers. I would love to see if Lynn could get to 175 innings 
in 2022. That tells me that he made at least 30 starts for the White Sox and he averaged close to six innings per start, which would be terrific uh, for any starting pitcher, but especially for Lance Lynn entering his age 35 season. But now you got me thinking, Jim, on how are teams going to counter these offers from agents representing starting pitchers if the amount of innings that as a collective whole continues to shrink do offers slide back? That's been batted about, I think, by national reporters, Um, some who are, you know, on the team side or getting fed by team sources, others who are being fed by agent side and you kind of can tell who's saying what by, you know, how the discussions are being framed. Uh, like, you know, if it's an agent feeding the reporter, they'll say like, well, you know, we're getting away from the most marketable pitchers and, and, you know, you're seeing baseball turn into just these faceless bullpen games where fans really just don't know who's who. And that's bad for the game. (laughs) Then you'll hear, um, you you know, when it's, uh, team source saying like, well, we don't, you know, there are ways to get innings around the classic starter and teams are having more and more success with it. So do we need to pay that guy? Do uh, teams need to pay that type of player? So that's been going on for the last few years, especially since like the opener, uh, since the Rays leaned on that to great success. I think there's been some fear creeping in. I'm looking at the leaderboard for innings and Lynn finished 22nd. I think that's probably a little less than they thought they'd be getting. But if you like say Dallas Keuchel was 16th with 162. So that's basically like one start between 22nd and 16th. And then, uh, you know, Dylan Cease was 14th with 165. So like basically top 15 is one and a half starts from uh, just the way the starts and innings unfolded, uh, the way the workloads very condensed in that, uh, you know, basically 15 to 25 range. So I would think that, you know, if Lynn's back to where he was and if he can get past the knee injury and just, if the knee injury was his, uh, you know, unusual COVID injury or post COVID injury, the way like we've seen, you know, other guys have, you know, soft muscle tissue strains and just uh, fatigue uh, that that's you, you, they normally didn't have. Like that, I think we're gonna have to learn something about the injuries based on what his 2022 looks like. Because I think some injuries were just like, oh, they're not used to this. They, you know, we saw this too on the position player side. Like some players just might have either worked out improperly or worked out unusually to where like they're you know the the way their bodies were trained for a strain of 162 game season, just they were thrown off somehow and just the imbalance was there and players didn't respond the way they normally did to the grind. And I could see pitchers having the same issues and it takes a year to resolve itself after having retrained the muscle memory to get through it. But it is a big unanswered question right now. And I think, you know, one of the many unfortunate things about Trevor Bauer's Dodgers career or, you know, what's left of it, if, if anything is left of it, is just the, he bet on himself in a very unusual way that would have been fascinating to see, like if he could have uh, shown that he were healthy enough and fine-tuned enough to throw a type of workload that no other pitcher could do, that would have been very you know interesting to see how it would have unfolded uh, when it came to like the year-to-year negotiations he wanted to uh, kind of subject himself to, but given just all the other garbage that uh, he gotten, uh, you know, he's involved in and the, the horrible accusations against him. Uh, you know, we, we're not going to learn that, but uh, he was the only one doing that. So I think uh, 
there's kind of a missed opportunity in just knowing like how the more durable pitchers can market themselves. The Houston Astros, as we record this episode, we don't know if Carlos Correa will still be with the Astros in 2022, but that team is still going to be loaded without Correa. The Astros should still be the favorite in the American League West, which means the Astros will still be one of the top contenders in the American League in 2022, and the Astros and White Sox could possibly cross paths again next postseason if both teams live up to their 2022 expectations. Any concern about Lynn's ability to perform in a postseason setting after we what we saw in Houston this season, Jim? Not necessarily. I, I think, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty and unease the way we've seen with other starters like Clayton Kershaw and David Price, like great starters who just took a while to get it done in October. Eventually, you know, overcame the narrative and got the monkey off their backs. But when it comes to like Lynn, you know, he's got a little bit of that going, especially with Houston, I think. You may be Houston specific more than anything else. But I'm generally bullish on his future just because when it comes to his pitch mix, um, the, the guy I likened him to is Bartolo Colon, just uh, a fastball that he can manipulate in a lot of ways and very few people can. And, you know, Colon aged very gracefully just with his ability to shape pitches to stay off the barrel. And I think, you know, Lynn can do the same thing. I, I think when it comes to like getting a team like Houston, you know, throwing them off for good, I think it's going to take a little bit of, I think a little bit more work on like, say the slider, like a true breaking pitch versus the cutter, which is, you know, still too fastball like, and then like the changeup. Like, I, I think there might be some ways he can work on some, some of his, you know, truer off speed pitches to maybe give a team like Houston a different look. And, and that I think could be the next evolution of Lance Lynn. But for the time being, I really only, yeah, to the extent that, that I'm worried in particular about a postseason thing, hanging over um, Lynn. I think it's more Houston related than anything else. We'll set up expectations of Lance Lynn during this during spring training in 2022, whenever that starts. But Jim, thanks for joining me again to help recap Lance Lynn's 2021 season. Uh, always a pleasure. I, I like doing these and I'm really glad that we're not talking about him as one of the impending free agents. That will do it for this 2021 player review podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. For those that have been listening to the show all season, and if you haven't already signed up, think about doing so at our Patreon page. Our Patreon supporters receive exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and the first opportunity to receive our new Sox Machine swag items. We have monthly plans starting at just $2 a month and our annual plans save you 9%. To sign up, visit patreon.com slash Sox Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.